In this episode of Common Sense Amia, we'll be chatting with Sam Houston, the co-founder and CEO of Cannabuzz, a cannabis-friendly social media platform that has filled a huge hole for the community's presence online. Taking full advantage of the strict terms of service and content restrictions that the big dogs like Instagram and Facebook enforce without abandon and welcoming the users blacklisted by these platforms, Cannabuzz has grown their user base to nearly 120,000 in the near two and a half years since launching. Find us on there at Cannabuzz. Sam Houston, welcome. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to talk to you. It's, uh, I, I really love talking to tech people, you know, te tech people, like there's so wherever in the, that spectrum of, uh, you know, tech entrepreneur, yeah. uh, I don't get to do it too much, uh, in the cannabis space. Um, but it's always fun. Cause I feel even more aligned, like, like we're fraternity brothers, like, yeah, like the nerds we get, we, we're doing it finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not that we, not that we've had any like issues with it, but um, it's always good to talk to people trying to like, you know, do things on the tech side of things. Sure. Um, so important things first. Okay. You're from Ohio. Yeah. That's where I was born and raised and then moved out, I guess when I was about 20. Can you explain yeah. something to me? Sure. And the New England listeners listening or watching. Okay. Chili and spaghetti. What's the deal, Sam Houston? Give it to me here. <laughs> That's more of like a Southern Ohio thing. So it's like a Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's so funny that, uh, you know, growing up, I grew up in, in Central Ohio, uh, like near Columbus. So, you know, instead of that kind of like everything revolved around the Ohio State Buckeyes was kind of yep. like the center of the universe so, yeah, yeah. Uh, where I grew up. So um, we've all got our weird yeah. things where we grow up yeah. and then you go and then you go to college or whatever and you're like, oh, you don't have chili and spaghetti? Like what? Yeah. Where am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally yeah. get that. I totally get that. Growing up in New England, it's very, you know, in its own bubble. And then I went to school in upstate New York, which is also a bubble, but a different one. Yeah, um, and totally. was just blown away, and and I was like, oh, people yeah. didn't grow up sailing or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of different niches, especially in the different colleges and whatever, and in, in New England. So Absolutely. yeah, actually, so I moved from Ohio to Boston. Um, I dropped out of college. I was going to school in Northern Ohio. Dropped out of college um, to work at a internet startup in 2008. Um, so moved up there and lived in Cambridge area for you're, about you're two following years. the the quintessential tech founder path, which is go to school, <laughs> maybe in Boston, drop the fuck out, go to, you know, do something, do something else. You, you know, you, you and I actually really admire that because and not that I think that college was a particular college has a ton of value for multiple reasons. Yeah. Uh, however, to some people, it, it can be sort of just a, a, a layover, right? Just to the, between high school and the next stage of life. Um, but being able to recognize that while you're in it, I think is pretty impressive, you know, knowing that like, this isn't my thing. Well, yeah, I guess for me, it was like, so, um, you know, for me, I was passionate about, and that startup that I ended up working at was in the video game industry. So I was really passionate about working in the video game industry and like figuring out how to do that. 
And um, that wasn't, you know, definitely wasn't happening in Ohio, um, especially, you know, 13 years ago or whatever this would have been. So um, mm-hmm. it just made sense that I needed to get get out. And sure. um, this opportunity happened because I was I was running um, fan sites and like radio, internet radio stations for video gamers, um, kind of like what Twitch is today, but Mm-hmm. Um, like audio instead. Um, so I was doing that and that kind of got me introduced to, um, you know, some companies and whatnot. And then I ended up moving out to Boston and yeah, worked in the video game industry for a few years. Um, at the time, like Boston's video game uh, community kind of revolved around the rock band game and just came out uh, mm-hmm. and the studio harmonics is right there on Mass Ave and Cambridge. Right. And so we were, we were right there. Um, and so that was a really cool experience. And then, but the company, the startup ended up going out of business at the end of 2009. Mm. It was just not a good time to be a startup in the middle of like the financial crisis and also trying to be a like consumer focused social network based in Boston in 2008 was not a great idea because everything was happening in San Francisco. You know, that was the time when um, Facebook was just starting to really blow up. Um, So, yeah, so I ended up moving out to San Francisco um, at the very, very beginning of 2010. And I've lived out in the San Francisco Bay Area for the last uh, 11 years. Okay, last food question, I promise. Unless you have any uh, for me about (laughs) maple syrup or Ben and Jerry's. My last one is... Uh, I've only been to San Francisco once and it was for a, uh, an event at Square, the un- yeah. Square unboxing event. Yeah. Um, and I uh, went to a Korean barbecue place called uh, Yakinik. Have you been? I don't think I have. No, no we're Yakinik. stopping the podcast. Let me pause it. Go. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to Google that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's amazing. Um, cool. So um, I, I, you know, uh, I assume I'm a little bit older than you. I, uh, you know, my internet days were uh, the, the, I think we were probably the first in my town to have a modem. And it was one of those ones that like you would put uh, your landline receiver into a cradle <laughs> yeah, uh, and it would ring. And my brother and I, we would like do prank phone calls through the router, right? We'd like call somebody and do like a, that it would do that <laughs> yeah. thing, like before anybody knew what that noise was um, yeah. so so like i i can remember you, you know i can sort of recall stages of my life um against sort of technological booms that being yeah. the first one and like kind of um then you know the first iMac we had one, you know, we had the, that first iMac, we had it. And I can remember when we got the, you know, that AOL disc in the mail. Um, <laughs> and then I figured out what chat rooms are and all these things to my, yeah. sp- like to my space. And I, I was in a band. So figuring out how to like market yourself through my space, all these things, I'm curious on your perspective on just like the evolution of, of social media, because, you know, yeah it's impacted you even more like you're you're probably uh closer to a digital native than i am sure yeah i mean like i so my career um you know what i do to pay you know my bills is community management so i've been building online communities and paying attention to them for you know professionally now for 12 13 years but as a participant for a long time right. and so yeah um you know i went through everything from like 
IRC chat channels and forums uh, where you were like, especially nerdy, you know, IRC was kind of like the super nerdy version of the chat rooms that you had on, uh, on AOL or something. And, uh, you know, then we had forums and then, um, you know, in 2007, 2008, Twitter was starting to really kind of blow up. And that's actually how I first really made my mark in my career was on Twitter um, just being really early on Twitter uh, with respect to the video game industry and I understanding like, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, um, it's one of those things that would like, you couldn't do again, but I wrote a blog post that was a list of like every video game company and developer or whatever that I knew of that was on Twitter. And I just put, put it, published a blog post on my blog and like within two days it was on TV. It was literally on G4 TV, like on their little mm. ticker. It was like gameindustrytweet.com, like if you want to find people on Twitter. <laughs> and it was just like it got all this coverage because no one else had like this list of people um, yep. that were on Twitter. And my whole point at the time was look, um, companies, you can listen to what your audience is talking about on the internet right now. Like, you know, you we couldn't really do that at the time. And so that In was really time. exciting. Yeah. And then connect across just, you know, we take all these things for granted now, but, you know, being able to connect with people beyond like, you know, fame or email barrier, spam filters or whatever, just being able to like tweet at people that was really big. And so, yeah, I really dove into Twitter and, um, you know, have been involved in various social medias. I've worked at uh, different social media companies. Um, So, yeah, I've had kind of a lot of experience through all that. And now, you know, running my own social network, basically, um, you know, th- that's where, that's kind of informed a bit on how I approach like the community and how I've approached thus far, how to monetize it or not monetize it basically, right. uh, because I want to try to steer away from some of the things that you see a lot of these bigger social networks or whatever. They start out, you provide this like great platform for a community and eventually you have to like turn it into a giant money-making machine. And that's yeah, where you're, like you're, things kind of get lost. You're yeah. still at the behest or you're ultimately yeah. at the behest of advertiser dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So that's, um, yeah, but it's been like you're saying it's it's changed a lot over the last twenty something years, and it's been interesting yeah, to watch. Yeah, I, I'm curious. So, like, I'm I'm kind of curious. Like, at what point you know? Okay, so you drop out of college in Boston. Um, you're working for a video game company almost immediately, um, right? At, at what point do you know that there is? I mean, I, I suppose you can just look look back just a few years and and understand that you know uh, individuals were able to monetize things like MySpace, not MySpace so much, but um, individuals were. But how did you have the foresight to kind of see that, like, um, not only was there a va- was there a future in it, but this was like a commodity that you could be offering to your employers. Yeah, it's, um, well, I mean, so community as a, you know, being a community manager um, is something that at least luckily in the video game industry had been around for a long time. Can you, so ex- I was, can you explain that? Yeah, I, I have like, totally. dude, my like video gaming is like one of those things. Like I want to play video games. I like I do, I wish I could, I have the attention, specifically with video games, I guess any kind of games, but like I have the attention span of a gnat. 
you know, like a bug. <laughs> and I want to play them. They look so cool. They look so fun. I, I'm not that guy. So I'm, I'm yeah. like, picture me ignorant here. No, I think, well, I think video game companies early on, um, and, you know, they're still learning this every day, but I think they, at the core, they learned early on that um, if you have an audience and you build a tight, you know, relationship with that audience, or you build some sort of rapport, you can have some sort of recurring revenue business model built off of that audience and they'll keep coming back, right? You have, mm -hmm. you know, in the video game industry, you have sequelized franchises, right? So it makes sense to have build up some sort of audience and then build a relationship that you can maintain over time. So they, they come back and buy the second game and the third game or whatever, or buy the expansions or, or whatever. Right. And, and they're often, you know, in that sort of process, it's an iterative process. So you're typically trying, you know, hopefully you're making the product better each time or maybe the product comes out and you're, you know, especially nowadays, it's you're putting the product out and you're making it better all the time because you're able to update it. You're, you don't have to worry about, you know, printing CDs or whatever. So um, pretty early on, I think game companies learned, especially with online games, they learned, you know, to have a forum, to have, you know, they were kind of on the forefront of, of social media and they've kind of known a lot of this stuff that I see kind of software as a service tech companies kind of op waking up and realizing that community management is all of a sudden important. Like the mm -hmm. gaming industry knew that like 10 years ago. Um, but it's yeah. just kind of like, everyone's just kind of the hot, you know, moment right now, or one of the hot things in business right now is recurring revenue models, right? The ability to have some sort of subscription revenue that you make off the same, you know, users on a recurring basis. Um, and so as pretty much everyone in, in tech has moved in that direction, yep. all of a sudden the importance of community is, you know, it's that much more important. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, I mean, it makes total sense too that the gaming community is going to be there first. They're, they're there, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're already, you know, they're already on the internet. Maybe the game isn't, you know, uh, you know, a web-based game or or whatever. Like that community is there, especially with like you know the P two P and and yeah. you know that sort of stuff. Totally. So uh, it totally makes sense. And it's it's funny comparing it to the cannabis industry too. And I'd like to hear your perspective on this. Uh, just as a small tangent, but like, yeah, I would say it's probably the opposite for the cannabis industry. Like, I mean, obviously, like you were able to recognize that and turn that into, you know, yeah, uh, cannabis. But like, it's you are you. I find myself constantly, and this is not a complaint. I find myself constantly educating people on the importance of things, uh, or you know, our clients on the importance of. Uh, uh, you know, I hate, I, I hate these techie buzzwords, but of the community, right. Yeah. Like of, of facilitating your core group uh, and speaking to them in a way that's another terrible word, but engaging. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, um, I personally think um, there's a lot of room for improvement with respect to cannabis brands and like building community. I think right yeah. now, it's, I think it's so early and especially with the struggles with marketing and, and how to market in a way that won't get you permaban from Facebook or whatever, like all these different things. I think mostly people are just focusing on what I would call is more actually just building an audience and building like a customer list or whatever. They're not actually building community. Mm -hmm. um, I don't find, you know, as someone who also buys a lot of cannabis, um, 
you know, cause I don't, I grow my own, but you know, there's times where I don't have my own. So I go out and buy it. I n- hardly ever feel like some sort of communal experience when I go to a dispensary, it's just kind of in and out. Um, there's not sort of any sort of like relationship building or really mm-hmm. trying to kind of bring you into the fold and really try to bring you into this like experience that I'm trying to build. So that's something that I hope to see cannabis companies really improve on over the next Same. year. I think I think they're mostly just focused on building a brand and brand recognition, which I get, yep. you know, like there's a, a, a lot of different brands out there and it's hard to differentiate and so on and so forth. But I think there's some interesting stuff out there. You know, I like, I like um, one of the brands that I like is uh, mm-hmm. Brother David's, mm-hmm. which is um, distributed through Flo Connor, at least it used to be. I think it still is. And they're from, um, you know, David Bronner from Dr. Bronner's. Right. And so, you know, Brother David's, they've put a lot of, um, you know, they they built their brand up around what they do with uh, organic cannabis and where it comes from and their farmers. And they kind of tell this whole story and you feel, I feel like I'm more a part of it or I can contribute it or I can have, I can buy a really cool stem sticker that I put on the back of my truck that says end prohibition and, you know, cannabis prohibition now, you know, yep. they have these things that I can feel like I'm a part of like a movement and less like, you know, yeah, I just bought, you know, your $70 eighth and, and, and I'll see you next week or whatever, you know? Totally. I, I think, and, and like, that's a really good example of a company who has, you know, incredibly vast experience outside of the cannabis industry. Right. So unlike most of the, you know, customer personas, let's call it of most of the customer personas that I'm talking to, you know, very rarely do they have that kind of experience and you're right. Like they're focused on building the brand, not like, you know, what happens, what happens now? Well, for sure you open the store, but also like have a barbecue, like, you know, invite the neighborhood over, do whatever, like, you know, have fun. Um, It's so important yet. It's just like, you know, I'll I'll see the light go off as if it were, I was saying something incredibly, you know, clever. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and, (laughs) and oftentimes, you know, I'll be honest, you know, where a lot of my motivation and inspiration comes from is just tapping into like, what would I want? (laughs) Honestly. And so when I come into the dispensary, it's just like, I want to feel, I want to feel like I'm a part of something, man. I'm going in, I'm buying fucking weed, man. This is cool. Like, and and we all love weed. And like, in most places, you know, most places, (laughs) period, you can't talk about weed anywhere, you know, or people are going to be like, what the hell are you talking about, man? I don't, I just know indica versus sativa or whatever. So I love like, if we could, uh, you know, that's kind of what we're building with Cannabuzz is like a space where you can have that discussion, at least online and feel like you're a part of this thing. I love, I love that idea because like, you know, our company is for sure focused on that, that brand aspect there's, you know, and the creative and digital implementation of that. There's a thousand other spokes in that wheel. Right. So like, you, I, to me, that makes total sense. You know, you know, just just what you just said there. In that, um, the way that these things all kind of coexist in order to ultimately get to something that's successful, but also I think most importantly is like the celebration of all of this. Right, weed is legal. Like I can walk into a store now. Like whatever. Like that's a celebration, and that's such an important part of normalization, which I think is you know, for sure, part of our mission statement, I would assume, you know, just being a user of your platform, that it's part of yours as well. Um, But all these things, like, we just focused on the brand, the stores opened, like, 
we're still, you know, walking on eggshells or whatever. But yeah. it's not it's a celebration. Like that's such a big part of the marketing aspect of it, I believe. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've seen this fight go down on a local level here in my city. They literally city council just approved a, dis a dispensary on Monday. So just a couple of days ago. And yeah. I called into all those city council meetings, you know, arguing for them to approve it. And when you call into these things, like I said, I live in Northern California now. So you would think, you know, we've had medical cannabis in California for what, like 15 years or something, 16 years. Um, and you still have people being like, no, it's going to get the kids addicted to the marijuana or, you know, whatever. And so the there's a, yeah, we have to, it, it just showed me that there's so much more that we need to do as a collective so cannabis community and industry to, to educate people and make people, people feel a part of it. So even if you don't, you know, because you had people call in and be like, I'm not against marijuana. I just don't want this dispensary or whatever. We need to like, you know, break down these misconceptions that they have or whatever, and just get them to see that as a cannabis industry and as a community, um, you know, we're, we're here and we're a great part of your, the larger community that we're a part of. Um, I, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I've been a, a fairly avid participant of, you know, Weedstagram uh, over the last <laughs> few years, um, you know, as a maker and devourer of content. Um, it seems like every few months someone will post some like whatever janky screenshot that's been reposted a million other times, uh, you, you know, and it's it's some screenshot of a letter saying that, you know, Instagram's now shadow banning me or Facebook's doing this or I'm being shut down. Um, there's a constant fear in the cannabis community, you know, in the can of creator, uh, you know, community um, yeah. that they'll be shut down, demonetized, kicked out, whatever. Um, what's the big deal? What do you think these guys have against? I mean, aside from the obvious, which is maybe there's actual illegal drug dealing happening uh, on these platforms, like, why, why can't I post a picture of the joint I'm smoking? You know, I can post I a picture it, of me like funneling a bottle of vodka. Yeah, I think it's probably two I things. don't do that, by the way, Sam. I just want to <laughs> yeah. like put that out there. That no, but I get disgusting. Even just thinking about it makes me want to like throw up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> no, I feel you. Yeah, I think it's probably two things. I think it's one um, kind of just more legal, like covering your ass sort of thing. They just don't want to really go down that rabbit hole and try to differentiate one thing or the other and then kind of on that point too i think it's also just operational they to have differentiated like cannabis rules based on region or country for that matter is operationally pretty heavy you know i think they have sure. facebook i think they have like 30 to fifty thousand people that just work as moderators so um it's a pretty big operation to moderate instagram and facebook for example and to have like individual rules now um I did, I pay quite a bit of attention to this stuff. So yeah. I did hear the guy who runs Instagram earlier this year talk about how they're probably going to eventually shift to rules that are specific to a region. So mm. now that um, Canada is legalized, Mexico is about to legalize, right. and what, 30-something states have legalized here in the U.S., it wouldn't surprise me if at one point Facebook and Instagram, which again, Facebook owns Instagram, it wouldn't surprise me if they have some sort of like North American cannabis rules or something like that, where they do allow 
content. You're seeing a little bit of this, like literally just this week, Apple updated their app guidelines to allow cannabis sales through apps, which is pretty big, um, but it has to be legal cannabis. Um, they differentiated that. So that was kind of interesting. You never saw the word cannabis I in, hadn't heard in, their, in their app rules up until was that, Monday. Was that yeah. uh, was, was uh, Federici up there on, on WWDC talking about weed sale, you know, selling weed on, on the iPhone? No, you just have to be, uh, well, I mean, I think maybe The Verge might have included a mention of it, but I was literally the guy who like saw the new rules yeah, and did control F. Through. <laughs> <laughs> I did control F cannabis there to see where it was mentioned. That's um, interesting though. Yeah, so that was an interesting change. And then uh, also YouTube updated their guidelines not too long ago, maybe a couple months ago. And it seems like they are open to cannabis content, but it has to be educational. So like this right. podcast, for example, is fine. But if I were to like smoke a joint or a bong or something like that on camera, they don't like that. Or if you use like particular words, because I've noticed on um, the Cannabuzz YouTube account, they'll flag our content for like 18 and above if I use certain keywords in the name right. or whatever. So I think they're kind of creeping towards it, but yeah, really that, what it comes educational down to that yeah. educational thing like uh, there's been recent updates too to like how paid advertising can work and it's purely yeah. around like even cannabis companies not just cbd companies um might be able yeah. to you know as long as they're pushing educational resources um which is yeah, interesting I, I think it's Google's like you opening know, up yeah i i mean i you know it is it's not necessarily easy to di differentiate between someone who's like legitimately posting about cannabis and mm. one who's like illegitimately you know exactly. i can see it on cannabis because it's like literally if like the poster is from cameroon or nigeria it's a scam pretty much like 100 yeah. times out of 100 and so i can get those really quickly but if it was like someone from new york or florida or whatever it's very hard for me to kind of tell is this legitimate or not legitimate or whatever and so that's where i think like they're just kind of holding that back because what I would imagine you might get to a point where they have to have something like, I think Yelp or someone used to have this where they would go out and like basically verify businesses. So they might have yeah. to have a, a structure where they say the only cannabis accounts that are allowed on Facebook pages or whatever have to input their cannabis license or something like, you know, their business license ID. Mm -hmm. You know, I would... I I feel like that's going to happen eventually, um, but I don't think it's going to be like a free for all because I think it's just, again, someone who runs a cannabis social network, it can be pretty hard to tell between what and I've been doing it for a while. So if you just have some like random dude in Palo Alto, like trying to come up with their new cannabis content um, rules, I don't know if he's going to do a great job on it. You know, there's a <laughs> lot of nuance there. Yeah, no, I can totally understand that. Um that, uh, you know, the, the current approach uh, or the current restrictions, terms of service, whatever, of those companies, uh, I would assume led to the birth of your company. Yeah, I mean, that was like the it was the frustration of, you know, seeing um, a lot of cannabis content being taken down. So um, in 2018 is when I saw a big batch of content being taken down on YouTube and on Instagram. Yeah. So um, actually I got Leafly to write about that. So if you Google like Leafly 
Sam Houston or something like that, you'll find an article that they wrote in April of 2018, which was about when YouTube started taking down content. And I was quoted in the first line and it was because I emailed Leafly and I was like, hey, my favorite YouTubers and whatever are being taken down and no one's talking about it. Like someone needs to talk about this. So Leafly wrote about it. And then I started to see some other people starting to talk about cannabis content being taken down. And I, you know, at the time I was hoping that, you know, foolishly that we'd raise some noise and maybe Facebook and Twitter would be like, oh, wait a minute. We literally just legalized cannabis in California. You know, we can, we can change our rules, you know, but no, Um, but no. So, uh, (laughs) so yeah, basically fast forward a a year later and um, you know, I'll save you the long story, but basically I had started to think. I love the long story. Don't save us the long story. Okay. Well, I was born um, in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, so for me, that started the gears turning, which was like, yeah. there needs to be something and Instagram and, you know, YouTube are not doing this right. And for me, it was, I was spending most of my time on term, like in terms of daily interactions or whatever, it was more on Instagram. So I was really sure. kind of, especially focused on that kind of use case. And um, so I was really frustrated by that. And then, uh, you know, at the end of 2018, I went to the Emerald Cup in um, Santa Rosa, mm-hmm. uh, Northern California. And I met um, another guy that I knew online through Instagram and he got talking to me and he hit me up after the Emerald Cup. And he was like, hey, um, my username is Q Grows. So people call me Q or Q Grows. And I think he was like, hey Q, like, what do you think about starting a social network? And this is a person, um, his name is JR Token. He's just a guy who grows and he's a medical patient. Um, he doesn't know anything about social media and tech. He was literally just a guy that was like, you seem like someone who knows about this. Like, what would it take to start a social network? And um, I pretty much told him, like, it's really hard to do and really expensive to do because, again, I've worked for venture-backed so, uh, companies. I, you know, the last startup that I've worked for, I think, has raised like $80 million so far. You know, I worked for Secret in 2014, and they raised like 30, $35 million in the first like six months. Um, and if you look at Clubhouse right now, they've raised over a billion dollars. And it looks like, you know, Twitter and Facebook are probably going to eat their lunch. Like it's a very competitive market. And usually the expectation of venture capital is like you have to raise a ton of money because you need to build a really great product really quick and then get a ton of users on it and then kind of get to some sort of scale and then figure out a business model or whatever. And that wasn't something that I didn't think was really going to work with um, cannabis social media. And maybe, I don't know if you're going to bring this up, but I've seen other people try that and it didn't work. Um, You know, Namely, mass roots is what I've called out on my Instagram account. <laughs> I've seen it. It's on my notes. <laughs> yeah. So I've seen other people try and it hasn't worked out. And so I wanted to figure out a different path. And so, um, you know, serendipitously. Well, well, let's, yeah, let's, talk, let's talk about this real quick, because there, yeah. were, there, are, there were and there are a couple cannabis social media platforms. But as I'm yeah. thinking about it, um, and maybe it's just because my... Uh, you know, exposure to multiple, you know, multiple, you know, obviously there's probably, a, you know, there's sure. Twitch. So that's, so that's for gaming, but I can't think of specific, uh, cultural. I mean, I guess maybe SoundCloud, you know, for music, but there's, the, it's very you know, hard. Not, yeah, there's not these, these culturally specific, uh, social media platforms. So aside from like, um, 
seeing, you know, your personal frustrations with how you engaged with uh, yeah. social media and content, like what, I mean, you were seeing mass roots. I'm sure you were seeing what uh, LeafWire was doing. Um, and this guy was like, Hey, you know, what do you do? At what point are you like, uh, like the, the, the solution is so simple. Well, it was, you know, that person. I know it's not, out I, to- and by the way, I know it's not simple, but <laughs> like just being like, Oh fuck, I'll do it. <laughs> well, it was more like, you know, I was thinking about it for a while, but I thought it couldn't happen. Right. Cause I, I was working, um, you know, full-time at this startup that I was at and I didn't have, I'm not, independently wealthy enough. And I also didn't really want to have to go down the venture capital path and really try to build your own platform. Because really to build your own platform like that would cost, I'd say at least half a million to $2 million just to get started. Um, Because, you know, each one of the one engineer in the Bay Area is 150 to like 200 grand, you know, just in salary. So it's like, those things kind of add up. and, And that's a lot. So you know, it was that person reaching out kind of got me thinking. And then it was serendipitously seeing a friend of mine. He runs a company out of Boston that builds the social network platform as a service. So that's mm. my friend, uh, Sean, who I worked with actually out in Boston 12, 13 years ago at that startup. He now runs a startup in Boston and they built this, you know, software as a service, social network Just platform. white labeling a social media platform yeah exactly they originally built it for lady gaga and Mm. i you know basically just change out some logos and you know some colors and here and there and you can have you know your own social network and so it was me you know ultimately teaming up with sean or you know sean enabling us really with his platform that enabled us to to launch cannabis so you know between talking to Sean and launching was only a couple months where if I would have, you know, let's say decided at the end of 2019, I want to raise money and build a a social network. Yeah. I'd still be building it today. Probably. For sure. (laughs) I mean, that's interesting too. I'd I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about the bootstrap because like, you know, just for people who are, have whatever trepidations, not only about being entrepreneurial, but, but, you know, maybe being entrepreneurial in the cannabis industry. I I think it's important to realize like this doesn't have to be an overnight thing. You can build, you know, like the good things take time to build. Um, but you can, you can bootstrap it. You can, you can find inexpensive ways to get things done. Uh, I had this really interesting conversation, um, with, uh, Alexandra Fasulo, who's like, she's, she's getting blown up right now is the, she's the queen of Fiverr, right? So like all she does is freelance and she like crushes it on Fiverr. She like absolutely yeah. murders on Fiverr. Um, but she, you know, all she, all she did was just open up her computer and start doing what, what she does, you know? And like, yeah. she's been able to do it inexpensively. And I think like there's ways to build companies without going out and raising, you know, a quarter of a million to $5 million, whatever. Like, yeah. um, it's slow. It, you know, will make you anxious yeah. and help me help you go a little bald. You can't see from this camera <laughs> angle, but it's, it's shiny up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's for sure. Shiny up there. Yeah. Um, no, I, like I that feel idea you. Of bootstrapping, yeah. like these, there's solutions out there that you can turn into your own. Yeah. You know, that's what, um, 
you know, it's definitely my chosen path. And, you know, I definitely have moments where I'm like, should I go do this that way? Or, the, you know, you know, cause like, you know, being able to build your own thing, there's a lot of benefits to that too. There's, you know, you have a lot more control. Um, you know, you can decide what comes out, what features get added or whatever, where, you know, being just a customer for a software as a service platform, you're just kind of along for the ride along with everyone else. Right. So that is, you know, the downside, but, you know, thankfully, you know, here, here we are 2021, there's a lot of different platforms, whether it's like, you know, payments or websites or whatever, all this stuff. Now you can, you know, typically pay like 25, 30 bucks a month in some cases, you know, just to get things off the ground. You don't have to where, you know, 15 years ago would have cost thousands and thousands of dollars. So that for me has been really helpful because again, like I wasn't a person that had a lot of money to, to work with. So, you know, it was a big investment to go onto legal zoom and, and, you know, file for the trademark. Yeah. And, and I, totally go all that. <laughs> I yeah. totally get that. You're like, yeah. Oh my God, it's $50. <laughs> well, it's like, Holy shit. I got to do all these things. It's going to be 700 bucks. And I got to, you know, I remember I was yeah. like debating the $15 a month, uh, you know, doc adobe docusign fee and of course yeah. our contracts are worth thousands of dollars all i have to do is sell one and it's like covered for five years or whatever and yeah. i'm like i don't know i i don't think i could do 15 dollars a month <laughs> yeah but like yeah you do you do what you, you do what you gotta do you figure out what the return on a project is and and you you know do a little bit of math uh, yeah. So take take me back to this like frustration. You so you you, sure. you meet Sean, uh, yeah. JR Token uh, <laughs> tells you let's do this. I assume yeah. he's you know a, a a financial component to your. He's your co-founder. Well, he he literally he's more of just I would say I go to JR more as like a person to bounce ideas off of and someone who helps keeps sorry helps the keep man me rooted. wrote the lord of the rings for god's yeah. sake he's gotta yeah, be he, pretty smart he delivered the similarillion no he um <laughs> no what i do is i touch base with him and how because he's a medical patient and he's been growing cannabis for a really long time you know i'm pretty new to the cannabis scene and really using it on a daily basis you know i started really using cannabis a lot more once we legalized it here in california sure. um and so for me, I love being able to touch base with JR and be like, you know, like right now we're, I'm working together with him on an edibles live stream. And I don't know about, you know, all the different types of concentrates that you can make and all this sort of, sort of stuff. So he helps me kind of connect those dots. And that was really helpful, especially when we launched Cannabis, because we, our core audience at the beginning was cannabis growers, people that grow cannabis at home. Right. And so it was really helpful to have JR token there because he's, he's been on Instagram growing weed for a while. So he had all these connections that he could pull in and we could get onto YouTube shows. And it just, you know, I had a little bit of credibility in the community because I was online making a little bit of ruckus and I could grow weed that kind of looked good, you know, but that was about it. But it, and I have like a decent personality, I guess, but it was JR token that was able to like, be that credibility, especially in the beginning. That's something that I would say for pretty much anyone, but especially with respect to engaging with communities. In the beginning, you need to establish your credibility and establish with people like that you really genuinely care, that I'm not just setting up a website for you to post, um, you know, your weed stuff on and, you know, it might 
that data might get sold to whomever or whatever this, you know, whatever I needed to be able to answer those sorts of questions and be able to credit, you know, credibly stand behind those answers and having someone like JR and then also having like the story that I had and kind of the way that we approached it, it helped us have that legitimacy and it helped us have that kind of core community when we first launched. Cause otherwise it would have just been like the 50 people that I emailed when we launched um, you know, and wouldn't have gone much further than that. But it was like that core group that we kind of knew each other and they could invite friends and we could get onto podcasts and so on and so forth. It's the network. And I, I like that, yeah. that co-founder relationship. I talk about it often, like for a lot of solo entrepreneurs, like the reason, a lot of times the reason for failure is because they're not, they don't recognize the weakness or, or the, you know, the left hand, right hand uh, value proposition, right? Like there needs to be balance, right? Yeah. Um, and you have to, it's hard to find the right people to do that, obviously. Like it's like, you know, a marriage or, or putting together a perfect band, you know, it's like, it's very difficult to do. Uh, and sometimes um, people make the wrong choice. But I think like in finding that co-founder, you have to recognize like, okay, I, I need to be inspired. I need to inspire. I need to get the, this shit done, but also like, I'll rely on you to get these things done um, and trust in you to get these things done because like, let's go. Right. And especially yeah. with tech, because it's like, I mean, <laughs> I can't even, there's no analogy for the uh, speed of evolution in tech. Like, Evolution isn't even the right word because evolution, you know, is talking about evolution, right? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. which took billions of years, hundreds yeah. of millions of years, right? Like tech evolution is something so much uh, uh, faster and, and, and exponentially like, you, you know, just anyway. So, yeah. so being able to um, get some, uh, you know, an MVP to market is crazy impressive because by the time you do it, the likelihood of you being obsolete is great. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's why, you know, again, with these sorts of services, it helped me at least, you know, test the idea out and, and fail cheaply, you know, because ultimately mm -hmm. if, if this thing doesn't work out or turn into, you know, a, a big thing, that's not, um, you know, ending for me or whatever. Um, sure. It's been a, it's been a great, um, you know, basically a side project that I do in addition to my, you know, other work. Um, but it's given me a great outlet as well. And, and back to, you know, with JR and the kind of co-founder thing for me, it was like, I, I just, I knew I was missing some things and I needed some help there. And, you know, frankly, I talked to my wife a lot and bounce ideas off of her. Yeah. And I, I think what I, what I'm trying to become better at just in general is like, trying to figure out who's people's, what are people's strengths and how can I like bring them apart in the process? Cause I often kind of just like heads down and just focus on it and feel like I have to do everything. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of been one of the things that I think I've been kind of learning and need to learn, continue to learn. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would, uh, I used to do that with my wife way more than I do now because now my wife works for Canna planners <laughs> right. So like all we do is talk about problems, solutions and things like that. Yeah. But I think what you're getting at is like, you know, in, a, in addition to relying on the expertise of your employees or your team or whatever, like, yeah, you have to pop your bubble all the time. Right. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. 
that's what's been really cool because like you know for me you know with cannabis and how we've set up cannabis you know one plus side is i don't have to spend a ton of time focusing on the technical problems per se i spend a lot of times like how can we build up the community and make the community more engaging and that's where again i love like talking to other people because we have so many different inspirations and that's where, you know, I can talk to my wife and hear how she uses YouTube or TikTok or the Patreon or whatever. And we can kind of throw around ideas and like, Oh, have you checked out this creator? They do something really cool, you know, or whatever. And that has been, I, I like that. So yeah, I just, I've enjoyed, um, I'm a creative person. And I, one of the things I love most about what I do is just trying to come up with like, creative solutions to problems and how to like match that with what people want or what they seem to be telling us they want or whatever. I love just kind of trying to figure out that puzzle. What and works. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's been, um, that's been a lot of fun in the last like year or so I've been really kind of focusing on that, especially in the last, you know, this year, especially. You've been vocal about mass roots <laughs> and and if I mean I've been so checked out of that company for for years I didn't even know they were still around but if I recall correctly and I only know it because I saw your post on it was they've turned into a recycling company they're di diversifying essentially but diversifying yeah. so outside of <laughs> the original intent it's just comical yeah. um so there's that and then there's I I go on I mean, there's a site called LeafWire I, I, and, you know, I don't know why I even use it because the engagement rate is just like, it's just boring is what it is. I'm curious, like what opportunities you take from like the, 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 and I don't even want to call them competitors because not only are you doing something different, you know, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're, they're, I, they're colleagues. Let's call them. Like, what opportunities are they are they showing um, as as you know, cannabis on on the internet matures? I think um, yeah, it's been really interesting. There's a lot of different. There's a ton, and I I pay a decent amount of attention to a lot of them. I have them, you know, on my phone, and I'll open up the app every once in a while or whatever it is to try to figure out like how it's doing, how many people are on it or whatever. I, I try to keep tabs on that kind of stuff. But yeah, there's been all sorts of things. There was a burner, the guy, you know, founder of Cookies. Uh, he had his app called Social Club right. um, that lasted for a few months before it got taken down from the app stores. Um, there's been a lot of different things. I guess, um, you know, I think some of the things that there's some of it's like the designs of the apps and kind of, I think, users really have come to expect some sort of like Instagram like experience in terms of your feed. And it's amazing to me how people's expectations in the app world on, you know, in terms of speaking about tech, people have really high expectations when it comes to apps. It's crazy, especially because you're used mm -hmm. to, if you're used to using um, Instagram all, all day, there are 1500 people I think that work on Instagram and I think it makes like $15 billion a year or something. It makes like crazy amounts of money, you know? Right. So there are a lot of resources that go into that app and there's a reason why it works really freaking good. Um, it's also been around for like 10 years. Right. So it's had time. 
Um, so it's really hard to stack up against that and down to like people expecting, you know, I want to double tap to like, I shouldn't have to do this or whatever, you know, people have those sorts of ex expectations. So I think that's really challenging. So you have that, if your app is clunky and whatever in, in our app, I frank, frankly has room to grow there and get a little bit easier to use. Um, so those things are kind of a barrier in and of itself. And then on top of that, if that kind of core interaction isn't quite working, like some of them have really, I've tried to focus on dating. Some of them have tried to focus on the idea that like, you're looking for other people to smoke weed with. So you want to like open up the app and find people locally to go smoke a joint with or something. Uh, there's some ideas like- I would so I never think, do that, would you? No, I don't. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I unless, like, never. No. Yeah, I don't think it's really, yeah. So I think there's, people are kind of missing on some of the core concepts or the core interactions. There was a, Doobie was another uh, cannabis social network. It had a really weird, like um, kind of Tinder interaction where you swiped right and swiped left on like random comment content that would come in front of you. So I think people kind of made missteps in terms of the core interactions. And then the real, the real thing there is that they didn't build a community and they don't, and that's hard to do, you know, like we, we, um, you know, we're two years into it. And I think now we kind of really have like a really tight, good core to yep. our community, but it took time to get there and happy accidents along the way. But, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of that is like just me and others interacting a lot in the community. You know, we have the cannabis account, we have my account, we have JR that posts as well, and we're always contributing. And then in the cannabis app, I feature people in the community throughout the day so that that content is seen by everyone in the community at the very oh, top cool. of the app. So that's part of me, again, also trying to spotlight cool stuff happening in the app and basically awesome. trying to inspire people. Um, you know, people mimic what's popular. You see this on TikTok all the time. If there's a popular TikTok, everyone makes a TikTok, you know, about it uh, oh, or yeah. like in that Ocean same spread, style. Yeah. Yeah, the um, <laughs> biggest one this week was Adult Swim. They had a really cool like thing that was going viral on TikTok. But um, anyways, the point of that story is that people mimic each other. So what I'm doing by featuring cool content on cannabis is I'm trying to basically teach my community that this is cool shit and try to mimic it. Like try to post cool pictures, try to post something that's inspiring, try to be nice and polite to people and, you know, uh, welcoming to each other, you know, all these sorts of things I'm teaching to the community through my own actions, through moderation, through banning people, you know, when they act out, like all these sorts of things are part of the community, building the community. And I think that's where people, you know, make mistakes. That's ultimately why Social Club got taken off the internet is because they weren't moderating their content and they got kind of like taken over by like porn and all kinds of stuff that was coming over from 4chan to Social Club. And that kind of goes back to, again, kind of the core, how you position yourself in the market. You have to kind of figure out how do I position myself and with that position or with that positioning and messaging, how, how what community does that attract? right? With Social Club, their tagline in the app was something like, it was like the open social network, or, you know, or where anything goes kind of thing. Um, yeah. It was, and and that's going to attract certain people. It's like, if, right. if the people that are getting kicked off of 7chan and 4chan and 9chan and all this other crap, they're going to go over there. And so 
Anyways, those are the sorts of things that I'm really mindful of as a community person. You know, I have community guidelines. I moderate the, you know, we moderate things when they happen or pop up, you know, um, sure. those are sorts of things I think that are also, you know, key to our success. Um, take me to the day before you launched Cannabuzz. <laughs> How was that? Um, well, I think... Well, when we're launching, when we're getting ready to launch and then and even still in those first few months, it was like just hoping that we could get the app approved Yeah, <laughs> and that it would like, please app would, store. <laughs> yeah. Like that it would sneak through. And frankly, it's still kind of like that when we have updates, cause we get flagged every once in a while for stuff and have to like negotiate or, or whatever, talk to them about what's going on. Um, so yeah, I think that was the biggest concern. And, and then beyond that, it's like, is this thing gonna work? You know, cause I'm just a person, you know and I have these interests and, and whatever, but like, do it, does anyone else give a shit? Um, and it's really hard to come like back to what I was just saying earlier in terms of positioning, like people, if you position yourself as, hey guys, Instagram sucks, come over here. Cause you can post all your content that works to a certain extent, but also there's like a billion and a half people or whatever it is on Instagram. People can right. reach really huge audiences. So that's one of the things that I really learned as well, especially in the last six months is kind of pivoting a little bit away from that language because people get really kind of bummed out. You're not a replacement for Instagram. You know, you're not right. a replacement for you're, you're, you're something different. Uh, yeah. But we try to want to be specific. Yeah, exactly. We wanted to, we've, I, th I found that, yeah, that kind of sweet spot is for people that recognize that they want to be a part of a community and it's not just like, you know, a, a network to, to get a huge following on. So that's been a little bit of a shift and it's taken time there. And, you know, frankly, a lot of people have found that cannabis isn't for them because we aren't those things. And um, I've kind of had to kind of learn my limitations there too, because I kind of would get upset about that, you know, and wondering if I need to do this, that, or the other thing, but totally you're kinda, reading the comments, dude. <laughs> Never reading yeah. Comments. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah. get it. There there's it's, it's for sure that moment when, uh, and this is only, and I, I, I don't want to say this is like a generality, you know, it's not a total general statement, blanket general statement, but like my, tendency to be emotional about things like that um you know a, a client decides to you know get a website somewhere else or they don't want to do seo whatever it is like there was a point where i'd like be fighting myself or like crying in the shower or whatever and yeah. like that moment where you know you can separate some of that emotion you never will be able to do it totally but like for things yeah. like that it's just like so, so relieving you know it's just such a nice step it's also like uh like an emo emotional scale you talk about like business scale it's like an emotional scale okay like i don't need to worry about that thing anymore you know i now need to yeah. worry about these things <laughs> exactly yeah yeah i've so stopped kind of worrying as much about like because i used to mm -hmm. keep track of all those competitors and really like be upset and like you know checking the app rankings and worry like oh great there's another you know that's going to hurt us and or something and i've just kind of seen as more if i just like focus on cannabis yes. and focus on the community that that is much more productive and actually does something rather than like being a worried about what these other people are going to do. Hugely important point to anybody 
Sam, what you just said is so important. Like paying attention to your competition is one thing. Obsessing over them is a totally different thing. Like yeah. what, however much attention you're spending on, on, you know, checking out what your competitors are doing, remove it all, remove it, you know, maybe just like look with one eye. Um, but it's such an important thing because you'll kill yourself being like, Oh my God. And, and especially like viewing people through the lens of social media, yeah. which is, total bullshit <laughs> you know like yeah i can i can make a, a user think that we're you know just launched the the biggest most you know craziest project but really it wasn't that at all like that's the that's the magic of social media like yeah exactly <laughs> you know that's uh, i've gone through that roller coaster because i'll watch people and i'll see them like guys we got this really crazy announcement coming up and i'm like oh shit it's gonna happen yeah, yeah. like i'm fucked or something and then yeah. it happens and i'm like that was it like really totally. and so, so yeah. i just i've gone through that i put myself enough through that it's enough, impossible but, to avoid yeah. it it's impossible to avoid <laughs> it but like you you're right to your point like you will see act you will yield actual success should you take that time and focus it on like doing your thing because yeah. of those competitors who who've popped up in the app store and mass roots is one of them um you're still you're still here baby you're still doing <laughs> your thing i love it um yeah. to, to what you were talking about before like and he's come up a couple times and i hate myself for bringing him up so many times but gary v has this one of these gary v isms is like yeah. everybody isn't your customer like you know, we'd like to be selling, we'd like to have a billion users on Cannabuzz. Wouldn't that be great? Um, but really like focusing on those, that core group and through community, community management, right? Through actually engaging within the community you're building, which I would guarantee you a thousand percent burner was not doing <laughs> burner's not burner's not on his social media platform like flagging comments you know yeah <laughs> he's yeah, got yeah. other you know so like that stuff is important in growing it but like it 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 provides more value to the people who actually are taking it seriously right yeah yeah and that's what you know um what's been really most satisfying is is hearing people and seeing people like say our values back to us basically and and what i mean by that is like and you see this in other businesses but you know with cannabis is the example when someone says to you like oh i feel like this is such a welcoming place and i've met so many great people and blah 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 like all this stuff that i want to accomplish when, with cannabis people are saying back to us that's rad and i and i know that i had a part of that but what makes me especially proud is that i've somehow like influenced other people to help me do that in the community right cuz i can i can do it like you said i can comment and i can do this that and the other thing but at the end of the day there's thousands of people like you mentioned at the top you know there's over 120 something thousand people on cannabis it's going to take other people in the community kind of reflecting our values and that really the, the vibe, basically how they can create that vibe. And so that has been really gratifying and seeing people like, you know, one of the things that's important to us at Cannabis is making sure that it's a welcoming place, that it's not a place that's gatekeeping you one way or the other. So like, you know, whether it's like, 
we have growers. The growers need to accept that there's people that just smoke weed or they do dabs or whatever. And just the same with like grower communities. If you get really deep into the weed growing community, especially on Instagram, it's uh, pretty negative, loves to judge each other. And yeah, is I was going to say, I was going <laughs> to say yeah. this. I'm glad you're saying it because yeah. I was just about to like be like, you know what? Like that's a really huge challenge in this community, which is like, you know, uh overwhelmingly negative <laughs> <laughs> yeah it loves to online I mean, online online totally it's a place where you know at least a portion of it loves calling people out on yeah. shit you know and i'm i've done it uh but um but you know we don't want that to be the core of what cannabis is we want to people to be inspiring to each other and if you chose to grow weed one way that doesn't mean that everyone's an idiot for growing it another way you know or whatever the situation is or if you just post videos of you smoking bongs that doesn't mean you suck because you've never grown a plant in your life you know and those are i'm basically quoting shit that's come up in our community by the way and it takes us going in there and telling that person like you're wrong I'm sorry you're wrong and if you have that opinion like you're not it's like probably not going to work out on cannabis and mm -hmm. I not to say that I like go in and ban them right away or anything sure. like that it's more just like it's just clarifying. not what this place is about we're yeah. not about that here yeah exactly and what's been cool is like it, you know it, it does suck especially when when some people they might have been around for two years and they knew that you know, they knew us when cannabis was like literally just scrolling for days and you could see plants. But now that it's it's not just plants, it's people talking about mental health or whatever the situation, you know, whatever the aspect of cannabis that they're passionate about. You know, some of our community members don't like that. And that is a bummer to see them grow, uh, go away. But I'm also, I guess what makes me feel good is that we also get a lot of new people in that have that interest, but also other interests. And we can create like this overall place. And kind of like what you were saying earlier, I can't lose too much sleep about seeing some of those people, even if I recognize their username or whatever. And yeah. you see like, oh, it's a bummer to see them go away. But it's kind of like that with everything, you know, if whether it's Those a podcast that you're really into or yeah. a YouTube show or whatever, you just kind of like fall off after a while. Yeah. I mean, uh, that has to be especially exponentially more greater. Like it's so much more true with so a, a new social media platform. Like, yeah, first of all, getting the, you know, getting that initial user base um, to a point where, you know, it actually matters is one thing. And then, you know, you brought up clubhouse, which, I've used, I don't know, 10 times. And I yeah. was like, you know, I was a beta user on it. But like the thing about Clubhouse is like, you know, it's that it's that wave and then immediate attrition. Like everybody yeah. comes in to check it out. They're like, oh, this is what is this? I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> Going exactly. Back to Instagram. You know? Yeah, we, we've had that experience, um, you know, in at the we did a live stream in the mid to end December. And I remember it because we announced on the live stream, it was like our Christmas special that we did with another cannabis uh, breeder podcast guy. His name is um, Rasta Jeff. He does the Grow From Your Heart podcast, if anyone out there knows it. So we were doing a thing with him and I announced on the show, we have 37,000 people. And I was pretty stoked because we started 2020, I guess, I think with uh, about 15,000. So we'd grown organically by 22,000 people. But by the first week of January, so basically like three weeks or whatever that is, we had grown to well over 100,000 people. We grew by 60, 70,000 people in the span of a week or so. 
Um, and the bulk of that was within a couple of days. There was one day, I think it was the 22nd of December that we gained like 16,000 people in a day. That's and amazing. It was because of one of those memes like you were talking about earlier, where uh, basically Instagram changed their terms of service on December 20th or whatever. And people were like, Instagram's going (laughs) to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that we went like mini viral um, with uh, some influencers. Yeah, with some influencers. And that was really cool. We had basically to kind of, since I'm on a a marketing business podcast, to deconstruct what happened. Bring it on, baby. Lay it on thick. Basically what happened is it was kind of this groundswell moment where you had, um, we've been in the community for a while now, so people know of cannabis. So once someone gets banned or something like that, once they get there, you see someone saying, oh, I got my shit taken down on Instagram. Eventually you might see someone post in the comments like, oh, you should go check out cannabis. So that's kind of like what set us up to where to have the moment that we had. Mm-hmm. And so basically that stuff started going viral. Instagram changed its terms of service. People were mentioning this. And then at some point, you know, those sorts of co- comments were happening with influencers. So at some point, you know, on the 20th or whatever it was, Koala Puffs in particular woke up and she posted on her Instagram, like, I'm hearing this thing about cannabis. Like, what is it? Should I join or something like that? And a bunch of people, you know, commented on the story, like, yeah, you should join it or something. And so she posted about it. And she, uh, at the time, she had two other influencers that lived with her in LA. And so they joined. And so all of a sudden, I have three big influencers that have a collective, like, you know, 500 something thousand followers. And so that basically convinced a few other influencers that they needed to join as well. And so in those few days, they were all posting about it. And I was keeping that going by also interacting with them from the Cannabis account. So I would like repost their stuff on Instagram Cannabis or or the Cannabis Instagram, because I realized, and I don't mean this in a negative way towards these people, but they love attention and they love affirmation. And since I don't have money to give them, I could at least give them like exposure and excitement and make them feel like they're a part of this thing. Yeah, totally. So when they, when they would post content, you know, I would repost it when they would come over to uh cannabis and post something, I would feature it. So, you know, when koala puffs posted about it on her profile, all the people come over and they would see koala puffs post featured right at the top of the app. And so it kind of helped create this little cycle there that lasted for, you know, a handful of days. But then, you know, ultimately we did go through that cycle that you're describing, which is, you know, we had, you know, 70,000 people sign up and uh, most of them don't use the app anymore. Um, But, um, you know, we did, we are, you know, bigger today than we were in November pre, you know, big wave. We do have, you know, more of an audience. And what I've had to do is really kind of figure out how can we take in these new people? Like one of the best things that happened in that moment is it made our community way more diverse. Mm-hmm. We were much more like dudes growing weed basically. Yeah. And now we're way more diverse. We have way more women in the community, way more people that would love to just smoke uh, weed out of cool looking bogs and posting videos and, and whatever. And so that's been really cool. That enabled me to like expand the scope of what we're doing and how I think about it and think about how are there more and more ways that I can bring in more members of, of this community and give them the spotlight? And because um, then you see that lights up other parts of your community because um, those people that are quiet, they they see like, oh, there's this other person that does this thing, you know, and they want to go seek that out. And that's another thing that I would suggest, you know, with anyone that's kind of building in a community is like, 
you know, maybe you can find those little things that you can kind of just put a little fuel on it and it might blossom into, you know, another kind of little group in your community, so to speak, a little niche. I, lo- I still like, I'm just thinking about the, the idea of like how, you know, the cultivation, right? Like, I think one of the things that you can, you know, very easily see is given that, you know, Instagram's been around for however, you know, Facebook's been around since 2003 or whatever. And, you know, all these companies have very rich histories, like so much has happened. And you can see kind of where scale happened. And, you know, how many people are going on to Instagram or Facebook and are feeling good about themselves? You know, like Facebook, you know, Facebook uh, allegedly, you know, impacted election you know like there's all these like just like horrible things happening on social media um to these companies who are you know unmanageable basically right beyond yeah. you know aside from an algorithm right like it's it's impossible you just said there's fifty thousand yeah. people or whatever just monitoring facebook you know like that's insane yeah. to me um yeah you can cultivate it more you can grow this more like this is a you know like it's that black Panther meme of uh, we don't do that here, <laughs> you know, and like being very yeah. vocal about it. And uh, uh, I think that's awesome. I hope that, so I'm curious, like, because as you said, like cannabis is, you know, full-time, but really part-time you're it's, you know, you have, you have a gig uh, in addition to what you're doing, which dude respect. Um, I do not miss those days of, um, you know, the, the ultimate grind, like coming home after work and then having to go to work. Um, yeah. so respect, like at what point, how do you gauge success with, um, cannabis? And at what point, I mean, is this, do you think that this will ultimately always just be, um, a part-time thing for you or, and I don't want to imply that you're spending, uh, you know, a set amount of time on it, but is it going to be your side hustle? Is there a monetization goals? Like what do you, what's your, what's your plan? Sure. Yeah. So the business model, like I've tried advertising and, you know, maybe this is a good conversation to us to have out of the podcast because I frankly would love to tap into your knowledge here, but I found as like a little niche social network that it's been hard for me to get, um, dollars and any sort of like meaningful numbers from people. Um, Cause also we're not tapped into these big like influencer networks or whatever. We're not kind of like reselling Events. relationships with uh, influencers or whatever. We basically just have cannabis. Right. And so you have to be down with like the niche and the kind of small niche that it is. So with that all said, I kind of found it was pretty difficult to sell ads, you know, more than $150 ads at a time or whatever, which is not going to build a, a sustainable business. So, um, so for, for what, what we've shifted to now um, and been able to do through the platform is we turned on a membership model that is pretty similar to a Patreon or something mm. similar where um, we have cannabis itself is free, but we have two other tiers. We have one that's an $8 a month tier and the other one that's a $20 a month tier. And the $8 a month tier is kind of more similar to just like, hey, you're helping contribute some money to help cannabis and you're helping support, helping us create more content. And um, 
And we also have some groups that are like members only, but I would say a lot of the value there is like people that just want to help contribute. Yeah. And then the $19.99 a month um, tier is um, working towards every year sending out uh, like a swag box. So actually this shirt that I have is one of the-, the <laughs> Oh, it's the, dope. Yeah, yeah. It's this <laughs> so higher cool. being- it's cool. <laughs> so, you know, that was actually, we just launched a membership in May or cool. yeah, no, we launched it on 420. So our year was at the end of, of May or did. month was at the end of May, but yeah, we launched on 420 and I used that first month's of money to actually hire the designer to do this t-shirt. So that's awesome. been cool to use the money. Like now that I can basically cover the bills to keep the lights on and not have it just come out of my personal credit card every month. Um, and have some additional money left over, I can kind of invest in some of these things. And my goal there is, you know, I'd love, you know, to have, um, you know, thousands of paid subscribers right now. We're hovering at the 100 person mark. Uh, which is summer, man. That's, yeah, exactly. that's a great start. So that's pretty, that's been exciting. And there, if you look at other subscription um, businesses like Substack or Patreon or whatever, yeah, typically... Mean- yeah, typically the conversion rates for audiences is about one to two to three percent if you're really good at what you do. So, you know, we're a long way from even that one percent mark. But if I could get to a one or two percent mark, that would be pretty decent. You you know, that would be enough to sustain at least myself. Um, yep. So that's something that I would love to happen someday. I'm a little, little limited on my ability to kind of like speed up that process, I guess. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of looking at it. I've kind of shifted from my previous mindsets to really thinking about what we're doing as more of like content creation and community building. So it's a little bit of like the stuff that I've, you know, I've watched your show before and tried to take some inspiration from it and other cannabis content creators out there. I want to kind of learn from them and use um, those platforms to put our, our content out there and basically tap into our community as well to also create that content. You know, like we, we're going to do a, a live stream later this month and that will be members from our community that make edibles, you know, we're kind of putting them on the spotlight and talking to them about how they do what they do. So that's been cool. I can, you know, it helps me make the community excited because they see some of their own up there on the community. It makes those individuals excited. The people that are watching get to learn something and get value out of that. It creates this whole kind of like virtuous cycle over there. And then I'm trying to use kind of content as a potential way to to um, reach a broader audience, you know? So I put up videos, you know, I've done a little bit of clickbaity stuff. I went up and bought the, um, what is this? Uh, this is, I just based on his name, Seth Rogen. I went and bought oh, Seth yeah, Rogen's uh, weed. Um, uh, I can't remember what it's called. Houseplant, Houseplant. Houseplant, yeah, yeah. So I bought, you know, Houseplant. I coffee shop? Nope, Houseplant. Yeah, so I bought Houseplant down in Berkeley. I live in, um, like I said, NorCal. So I went down to Berkeley and bought some Houseplant and posted it up like a review video on our on our YouTube. So I've tried to do some things there to kind of build an yeah. audience. But, you know, so that's kind of where we're at now. We're a pretty small business. Um, it's love like, to it's, kind of build you're, it into You're trying something. to like get the mixture, you know, that middle ground of, you know, Patreon, but Patreon as the platform supporting the content creators as opposed to kind of the other way around. Well, it's, yeah, it's like, it's, 
it's it's kind of an interesting concept or whatever. It's a new thing for people because most people are just used to subscri- subscribing to individual creators. Right. And uh, that's something that I've had to kind of think about too, is like if I too, focus too much on like, hey, if you subscribe, I'm going to create way more content, that kind of shifts my focus as well. So we're trying to kind of, at least for now, figure out if we can kind of have a little bit of a mix of both, which is like, you're contributing money to help this community and help make this community possible and help it do really cool stuff. And then also that helps us like create more content or like, you know, what we've been doing the last couple of weeks is every Tuesday and Thursday at four o'clock, we do uh, Zoom hangouts that the community can join. And so that's been a really cool way, especially, you know, during COVID for people to just hang out and have a space to meet others. It's not finding someone in my local area to smoke a joint with, but it's finding people online that I can smoke a joint with. And that has been really cool too. So yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's, I think for now, that's kind of the focus and we'll see if things change. I mean, we are in a time right now where community and, you know, software as a service-based businesses and all these things are happening right now. And they're making something like this possible where, you know, it wasn't possible before, but now we're getting to a point where me as a community person, because I'll be frank, like, I'm not stoked about all the companies that I've worked for, you know, you get become less stoked for them over time. What I'm really passionate about is community building and really caring about the community that I work for and, and all these other things. So um, that's where, you know, focusing on community, having this sort of revenue model that is like community supported has been more fulfilling and and more exciting than other models. And so, yeah, I'm kind of going through the active process to be 100% honest with you is like, you know, I have a a recruiter that reached out to me from a venture capital firm the other earlier this week. And so I'll, I'll have a call with them tomorrow. And I've been kind of having this fight in my head of like, do you just focus all your time on cannabis or do you go find another job or whatever? Because I've been contracting for the last year. Um, know, for, for, Let me just yeah. tell you, you'll know exactly when the time is right because, um, and I don't mean to sound like uh, a weed industry dude, and this is yeah. going to sound like weed industry hippie shit, but like the universe has a way of telling you like there will be a time and you'll be like, oh, that is, I let, let's go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. For me, for me, it was getting fired. <laughs> yeah, like, I I was having the same sort of thing, and the universe delivered. It's like it pushed me, like literally yeah. right out the door. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I mean, that kind of actually happened to me at the startup that I was at right before the pandemic, and that pushed me into the situation I'm in now, where I'm working as a contractor during COVID. And that has actually been helpful because it allows me to create more of my schedule and dabble more with cannabis and spend that mental energy without feeling like I'm like cheating on my other like spouse or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, yeah. So I've been kind of enjoying that and kind of just going through that experience. Well, Sam, your passion is abundantly clear. I wish you the best of luck with it. I can't wait to see what you do with it. Um, I uh, am very thankful that you took the time to talk to us um, today. And would you tell the people where to find you? We'll link it all below in the description. And I'm pointing down for those (laughs) listening. 
I appreciate everyone's time. I know we've talked for quite a long time. I can talk for a while, as you can. We'll tell. do this Sorry. again once yeah. once you once you take the company, you know, public. We're gonna do this again. I'm gonna call yeah. in an old favor. Round two. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to thank everyone for their time and just listening to me chat and and um, trying to share that. a little bit of what I've learned. Um, so you can find Cannabuzz at cannabuzz.app. Um, or if you search Cannabuzz in the app stores, you will probably find us. So if you search in the app store, or Google Play Store, you'll find the app. Uh, you can follow myself on Twitter. I'm at Sam Houston. Um, that's where I tweet about whatever is going on. Um, and then if for my, more of my Cannabuzz or Cannabis Life, you can find me under Q Grows. So that's just the uh, letter Q and Grows. So you'll find me. I'm growing um plants in my backyard this year so you'll see a lot of uh little pictures of that right now uh any particular strain that you're excited about sure so i just got um clones from a couple different places out here in california so i have a clone or two clones of forbidden runs which is going to be interesting that's forbidden skittles times runs and i'm a big forbidden fruit fan a huge huge fan of that so i'm excited about that and then i also have two clones of chocolate tonic cbd um which is supposed to be like a two to one cbd plant so i'm excited about that because i love making cbd things for my family and my dogs as you can see one behind Uh, (laughs) your your the second guest i i didn't get a chance to ask any questions of your dog um, <laughs> Sam Houston, co-founder and CEO of Cannabis. We appreciate you, man. It's been interesting hearing about your journey. And again, I can't wait to see what you take this thing. Um, we will be back next time with somebody else. I don't know who, but thanks for tuning in. Uh, talk to you later. <laughs>